Hi, this is Mike. This is Russ. This is Matt, and you're listening to the Empty Spiral Podcast, the official podcast of the Lacunical community. Hello, gentlemen. How are you doing? Hello. Hello. You're right. Yeah, yeah, very good, thank you. It's um, I don't want to harp on about the weather, as we always mention, but it's... <laughs> it's started already! <laughs> very, very autumnal here up north, and very, very cold. So, there we go. Oh, and happy birthday as well. I thought I'd get that in as well, as Russ will um, concur with this. It's um, happy birthday to you, and best wishes and everything. Oh, cheers, mate. Thanks for that. Very much indeed, and just to sort of continue with setting the uh, the mood of the evening, rather than talk about the weather, I've got the fantastic view out my window, somewhat gothic of uh, the full moon and some fog, so make of that what you will. Oh, very good. Look out for werewolves and stuff. Werewolves, indeed. Bit of uh, HP Lovecraft in the background. I'm sure we can add some effects <laughs> in later. <laughs> I'll see if I can find some appropriate music to play and some howls, etc. <laughs> So what we got news-wise this week? Well, we know that Lacuna Coal are in the studio. Uh, it's also been reported, I think it was late last week now, it might have been early this week. No, it was late last week. But uh, the, they're working with uh, producer Jay Baumgardner, I believe I say, say his name, apologies if it isn't, uh, who's previously worked on all kinds of bands, Seven Dust, Evanescence, Cold Chamber, Papa Roach. So yeah, um, Russ, you're quite excited about this, aren't you? I am, yes. Um, I am all in favour of the distorted guitar sound. So I'm not sure how it will sound overall sonically, but it's definitely going to be a heavy guitar-driven album going by the uh, the past stuff and the, the mixes that he's put out on records he's done. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I think we all are. And we, we've also seen evidence that uh, Mouse is in the studio, as are, of course, Christina and, and Andrea. So um, we know that uh, Chris has been in the studio last week. So, yeah, it looks like it's all coming together. Very excited. I've got no idea. I wonder when they're going to announce a release date. I mean, I, my assumption is it's going to be like March. I was going to say March. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That always seems to be when they release albums, isn't it? It's, yeah. So yeah, but I, I'm I'm hoping that we'll we'll get some. Maybe if we're really lucky, and depending on how quickly they plough through the recording process, I'm kind of hoping we might get a, maybe a snippet during the Paradise Lost shows. Would you reckon? Well, definitely. I really hope so. As as we all know, that they've done that before on um, uh, the tour in 2005 when they came to the UK. They previewed the two songs from Karma Code, didn't they? Yeah, and they also previewed a song from Dark Adrenaline, didn't they? Mm. Yeah. Before it came out, so. It's one of those catch-22 situations now, isn't it? Because you're always worried if you play new material before it's out, it's going to get bootlegged and some shitty quality is going to be on YouTube and people draw mixed conclusions from it. But at the same time, it's a good way, I suppose, of testing out new material and see how it goes over with their with their audience before, obviously, you decide whether or not it's going to make the cut the album. So it's a, it's a good testing ground, I suppose. Yeah, I guess it really depends what you want to get out of that process. It's, you know, exactly what you just said, Russ. You know, what are you aiming to do through playing it beforehand? Gauge the audience, gauge the the uh, response from the crowd, or get people excited about the album because that you know you obviously as the artist you like the sound that you've created and you hope that it gets a good response and people you know it hypes up the album release. Um, obviously, there is the bootleg thing, but does that really impact on sales? I never really got a sense that it did, and I certainly, if I hear a song on. YouTube that's been recorded even with the best non-professional sound equipment at a show invariably I want the the album version so 
And that is an interesting one, isn't it? It's interesting to, to talk to the record label and see how, it, how if at all, it affects um, sales of an album if it's been previewed beforehand. So what are we doing tonight? We're talking about Lost Lullaby first of all, aren't we? And then we're talking about Unleashed Memories. I believe that's the case. So this is kind of a two reviews in one, really. And I did wonder about whether or not we should take this approach. Lost Lullaby has a bit of a, a strange history, really. Um, although it was recorded whilst during the recording session of, of Unleashed Memories back in 2000, it actually wasn't published until it was put on the special box set version of Comalice, uh, as I recall. That was where it first saw Light of Day. And then it was subsequently put on the re-released version of Unleashed Memories in 2005 and has essentially remained on the album ever since. So I, I, I believe it's now a bonus track in name only, if you see what I mean. Mm. Which is one of the reasons why I felt it appropriate that we review it now rather than at the end of Comalize, which is where yeah. I, I guess it could also be be reviewed. I must admit, since the reissue came out in 05, if I'm ever sort of reaching for this shelf to pull out a copy of Unleashed Memories, it's always the version now we've uh, lost Lullaby on the end that I play. So to me, I, I could be wrong, people might disagree, but I view it as the more natural song of the two with um, Wave of Anguish that concludes the, the album. What do you mean by that? You mean that you feel... I, ju I just think it ends better for me. It's not going to be the same for everyone. It, it seems to round off the album better, ending with Lost Lullaby, than it does for Wave of Anguish. Oh, okay. But that's just, just a personal opinion. People might th completely disagree. But yeah, I do, yes. Yeah. See, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I said last, last night, I think one of the things that I really like about Wave of Anguish is the fact that it rounds off the album and, and Lost Lullaby, or, or any of the songs, because, of course, a, there was a version of Unleashed Memories out there, which had Half-Life on the end of it as well. It so it goes straight into Half-Life. In fact, I have a copy of that. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk more about those uh, versions later. But I always felt that Wave of Anguish was the the way the album should end. But, you know, as you say, just everybody's different, different strokes and all that. Anyway, um, we, we ought to review the song, I suppose, since we've started talking about it already. Shall I go first? I think you should, seeing as yeah, it's birthday yeah. week, you get the special honour and privilege. Oh, is, that, is that my present, is it? Yeah. <laughs> the privilege of going first. Wow. Or it could just be a cop-out on mine and Mike's part, one of the two. I'm, I have my suspicions. Right, okay. So anyway, we talked about uh, the recording of it and the fact that, uh, that it didn't appear on Unleashed Memories originally. It actually appeared on Comalize as a bonus track. The song itself I find quite interesting for a number of different reasons. This is this to me feels like the most experimental of the songs on Unleashed Memories. Actually, uh, we we've got Christina harmonised with backing vocals, her own, and there is a sense of vocal sound experimentation about it. It's a real different feel, I would say, than the rest of the album. It reminds me a lot of the Cranberries, 
Uh, and I even think that Christina sounds a little like Dolores in this song, just the way that she uses her voice folk, um, sort of vocally and the tone and the mixing and the backing vocals, as well as the overall kind of feel and vibe of the song. It, re- it does work really well, though, and I, I think it adds depth to the vocals. I think it works particularly well in the chorus, where you've where you've got her sort of repeating I don't want to please you forever etc 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 musically I think it's a good start to the song I love that sense of bells tolling that's what you kind of that message I get like these church bells ringing or something like that and then the guitars kick in and obviously it ups a beat the drumming in this is, is really good throughout and it really kind of maintains a pace which I think adds a, another sense of depth to the song in terms of the the lyrics, uh, I think they're really interesting, again, uh, a theme that we're seeing quite a lot throughout Unleashed Memories, in fact. <clears throat> I struggle with what it means, actually. When I first read this, there was a part of me, possibly because of the name of the song and, and some of the lyrics, that made me feel that this could be, and this is quite a dark subject, I guess, about an embittered mother who's kind of talking, singing, singing this lullaby to an infant. Um, there's sort of suggestions that uh, one of them within the lyrics is uh, reminding me that I'll one day, that I'll be one day, I should say, just a broken wheel onto your way, and that makes me kind of feel that she sees herself as a a crutch or a or a block to the other person living their life, uh, and it, and it goes on to say it, it's so hard to decide between myself and you, which is you know obviously quite a a selfish thing were it a um, a mother to be saying to an infant. However, I, I'm more inclined to believe it's not. I think it's about a relationship, an adult relationship, because of the lines, will you promise me the things you told me, will you give me everything I want? And that dissuaded me from that initial sense that this was a, a mother-infant. And of course, it's a lullaby though. So a lullaby is typically a soothing song, uh, stereotypically used to sing an infant to sleep. And it got me thinking here, kind of visualising what this song is about more than anything else. It made me wonder whether this is a, a woman uh, who's singing to her lover after he's kind of fallen asleep beside her and she's having doubts about the relationship and her future with him. And I kind of, that tone goes throughout the song. And that's, that makes most sense to me. Uh, I really like the song. It's not my favourite. Uh, I can see why the band chose to leave it off of the album. I don't think it fits per- particularly well with the tone of the rest of the songs on Unleashed Memories. That doesn't make it a bad song by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, it stands up very, very well on its own. I like it a lot. What do you think, guys? What about you, Russ? Um, I agree with what you've said, really, in terms of the, the opening. I think that's my favourite part of the song that certainly sets a mood and a precedent of the, the tones that follow. It's it's stylistically different from other songs in the album, definitely. And lyrically, I've always found this interesting because I've not sort of got the same level of depth as you've mentioned there, but I've always viewed it as almost like... Um, it flows similar to like a poem, and it's almost, I take it as a stream of consciousness throwing out sort of big words there. But um, I, I'm definitely a fan of the song, yeah. Fair enough. What about you, Mike? Um, I'm, I'm confused and torn about this song, really, where, where it would fit. I certainly think that it's, it's good as almost like a bonus track add-on, as we know that they left it off the original album. And I can also see that it it would fit very well in Comalize as well, as we as we will move on to that in later episodes. 
Um, uh, equally, though, as a song, I think it's really great and it it works well on its own if you had it as a standalone track, even as a... Well, I don't know, maybe as a single, but um, it's hard to say, really, whether it should, like... Um, you've both mentioned before about it maybe tagging on to the end of the album rather than Wave of, wave of Anguish. So I'm not really... I'm very confused personally about what I think and where it would uh, fit in to everything else. So it sounds to me like you think it's a song without a home. Yes, it's like not tagged on to one place and it could belong further in the future on Comalize somewhere, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. Here's a question for you guys. Does this feel like a Lacuna Core song to you guys? No. I see what you mean. and I've never really thought about that before, but yes and no. I know it sounds like a cop-out, but it, it <laughs> does to me, but it's stylistically different from other material they've done. I mean, if you viewed it, as, as Mike just said, as a bonus track in almost isolation, you could say this could have been sort of a, a focal point of a completely separate EP. It's like the centre song that something could have been structured around. Yeah, yeah. This sounds like... It sounds like I'm being unfair on the song because it is a good song. It's well-constructed. and I think musically it's very good. And like you, I think the beginning of the song is just probably the strongest part of us. I like the lyrics. I like the way it's sung. But it, it feels like a cover song to me. There's something about it. Maybe it's that experimentation that I mentioned. It doesn't... It's 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 hard to put my finger on it, but I know I said it sounds a bit like a Cranberry song. And I yeah. guess that's that's where I'm coming from, really, is it doesn't feel like a song that they created. It feels like a song that they've covered. And that's hugely unfair, and I apologise to the band if, they've, if they're listening to this. <laughs> um, because I do like the song, but it just doesn't have that lacuna core vibe about it. Uh, that's where I think personally where it's almost homeless, where it doesn't belong in one place and doesn't belong possibly somewhere else. And like you say about the whole cover song thing, it, that's maybe where my thoughts are deep down, where it's geared towards. And that's why I'm so confused as to what to say, where, where it does need to slip in somewhere. Yeah. I know what you mean. If I think sort of further ahead, I mean, the first time I ever heard... Um leaving alone from the shallow life sessions i mean first time i heard that off it was a completely different band yes yes yeah but even leaving alone from shallow life what i still feel that it's lacuna core doing something different if you see what i mean i don't mm-hmm. know mate it feels because it, it it comes along as part of shallow life which is a very very different album than unleashed memories as we know it doesn't feel out of place there Whereas this song just feels a bit lost and alone, ironically, given what it's about. <laughs> it really does. It just it floats around in this place somewhere between Half-Life Unleashed Memories and, and Coma Lies and doesn't really sort of land anywhere and, and call itself home. And I, Sounding I find like... Fascinating. It's sounding like we're slating it, but we're really not. We're, we're all fans really of the not. song. Yeah, it's just, absolutely. It's, no, it's no, just no, where no. it happens to sit. I just think it's fascinating that this song just is off. It's almost like a, it's it's kind of like a parallel universe where this is where a direction the band could have gone, could have gone in, you know? And, and that's equally not... a clever thing, isn't it, by yeah. the band to do that? Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, they've gone up and done this. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like diversity, and I will go so far to say that Lacuna Coil have proven through all of their albums that they can be very diverse in their music. 
So we, there should be no surprises for any of us that they can release a song like Lost Lullaby. But that diversity comes with disadvantages. And I think we'll talk about this another time, probably at some length. And and Lost Lullaby feels like it's a victim of the disadvantages that such diversity can bring. I'll talk about this a little bit more when we in a little while when we talk about Unleashed Memories. But this one just feels so very different. Anyway, I've rattled on enough about that. Given what we we've said, and this apparent slating, at least I'm sure some people will interpret it as a slating of the song, which <laughs> so isn't true. What do we think of scores wise? Um, I mean, I'll go first because I I uh, did the, the first review. For me, I would give this a seven out of ten. That's where I am with a lost lullaby. How about you, Russ? This is a high eight for me. Okay, good. Yep. Mike, I'll go with seven as well. Okay. So for a song that we feel feels a little on the homeless side, it's, it still stands up pretty well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Let's see where we go. Lost Lullaby. So we spent the last 11 weeks now talking about the various songs which make up the Unleashed Memories album, and now we're going to talk about the album itself. So let's let's start about the recording. What do we know about the album? Uh, we know it was recorded in the year 2000, and it was released on the 29th of January 2001. It was recorded at the Woodhouse Studios in Hagen, Germany. Think of the ice cream. Think of the ice cream, yeah. Uh <laughs> and of course it was produced by a Polish producer, well, music aficionado, um, what is he, a musician, everything really, uh, Waldemar uh, Sericha, uh, who's, who had previously worked on uh, the EP and In a Reverie, and would go on to work on more Lacunical albums. So obviously at this point the, the band knew Waldemar, Waldemar very, very well. Uh, we also know, and this is the same with In a Reverie, that uh, Valerie Lynch performed a lyrical adaption, according to the sleeve, which I always wonder what that means. Is, is that translation? Did she work with Christina and Andrea on the vocals? Uh, I, I never really got an answer to that when I asked, so I'm, I'm intrigued just to know what lyrical adaption means in this context. Uh, other facts, of course, this is the first album in which uh, Mouse is included in the recording process. As you know, he joined the band after the band completed the recording of In a Reverie uh, and I think that shows very much in the depth of the guitars and, and the richness of the music as they've got expanded their um, their musical base somewhat and if you did miss it listen to 119 <laughs> if you did, yeah, I've never heard of that, is that a new song? so where do we start with a review of this then? maybe we'll start with the numbers of the the last 11 weeks or the last 10 weeks I should say I've I've looked at the scores we've given and they're a bit mental really <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I mean it, we're gonna, high twos high threes there's, there's a real danger that we're going to come across as fanboys do you think there's any danger that people are going to realise that 
that's the case. Because um, I'm not going to go through and bring them off, uh, spin them off verbatim, but there's a lot of 10 out of 10s. There's a hell of a lot of 9s. There's a few 8s. The, the lowest we get is... Seven, seven which I think you gave Sensafino. Ross, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's the lowest on here, but by far the, it's, it's up in the nines. And the mean average is 9.06. That's an impressive number, a very impressive number. It's just got so many great songs on it, isn't it? It really has. Where do we go from here? What do we tell you about this album? Should we talk about the versions then? How many versions yeah. have we got? We got? I believe there are three. No, it's four now, I think. You've got the original version. You've got the 2005 reissue with Lost Lullaby that we talked about. You've got the, I think it was the American edition, which had Half-Life appended on it. And then it came out, was it 2011 with, I think it was Liver, was it Varken? Yeah, that, that's on a different CD though, isn't it? I, I think because yeah. I've got three versions um, and I came out in Digipack as well. Yes, it came, yeah. out, came out in Digipack. So when you got your your unleashed memory CD, is likely to have Lost Lullaby on it as a bonus track, unless you bought it way back in two thousand and two. It's it will possibly have the Half Life EP tacked on the end because I've got one with the Half Life EP, all of it. That's in all five tracks from the Half-Life AP. Interestingly, question, do you ever play that version? Um, no, not really. Didn't think, I didn't no. think you would. No, I don't think I do. I think I, I like to play Half-Life uh, when I'm playing Half-Life, if you see what I mean. Yep. I actually find it quite distracting when if I put that version on and it, it finish off Wave of Anguish and suddenly goes into Half-Life, I get confused. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a man of simple means and that, that confuses me greatly. Um, and of course, there's the picture disc. Uh, is there a tape version of it? You guys, uh, Mike? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I have one. I think possibly. And is there a non-picture disc vinyl? No, purely the no. picture disc. Yeah. So it comes out. There's, there's lots of various versions. Now I said earlier when we were talking about Lost Lullaby, that that the version that you're very likely to buy today will have Lost Lullaby on it. I can't imagine that anybody anybody would be able to pick up a copy of Unleashed Memories without it on. Because I'm pretty sure since 2005 it's been on there. Is that correct? I believe the original version, which was the 10-track ending on Wave of Anguish, is actually deleted. So no, you can only get the version with uh, Lost Lullaby ending of the album. I'm not even sure I've got the original version. You know, that's a terrible thing to admit. But the three versions I have sitting next to me has... Special edition that includes bands, Half-Life AP as an added bonus, previously unreleased domestically, label on the front. I've got the 2005 one, with which is a nice big sticker on the front saying, this, their second album, now available with bonus track, brand new artwork, picture gallery, and wallpapers. Enter the coil. And I also picked up, because I'm a glutton for Unleashed Memories, the limited edition 2CD, the limited special 2CD edition, which, as you say, was released, I think, in, that's 2012, actually. And that was part of um, Century Media's 25 Alive, Metal for the Masses, where they, where they celebrated the label's 25th anniversary. And that is essentially, I think it's the same version as the 2005 version, 
but with an additional CD that includes live tracks on it. So what have you got then, guys? Have you got anything special? Um, I've got three versions. I've got the original um, in digipack form. I've got the 05 reissue, and I've got about four of the vinyl picture discs floating around. Four? That's just, you're just a glutton. <laughs> well, what, what, what is it? We see there's there's a method to the madness. One got made into a clock. One gets played, and then I've got sort of two for um, backup purposes. Because come on, picture discs wear out, so you know it's got to last me till the end of time. No pun intended. And they are, and they are quite rare as well. I I just assumed that you were going to use them as like place set, place settings. Dinner got, dinner mats. Yeah, dinner mats when you yeah. when you invite people over. I always feel guilty because I pointed one out to I think it was Rob in the states on uh, Facebook a couple of months back because everyone's always like dying to get them because they're like gold dust and I'm sort of oh, sat yeah. there before so I always feel a bit bad so if ever I see any I you know tend to point them out to people. I I feel a bit guilty as well with uh, I've only I've never bought the re-release from 2005. <gasps> Get off, get off the podcast. The, 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 only, the only copies I have are the original one when it came out, and I have at least two, possibly three versions of the DigiPack, and the picture disc, and I think I might have it on tape as well that I may have bought from Poland or somewhere else. So that was quite hard to find, I think. Sounds like you're forgiven then. Yes. <laughs> so what we establish there's a various number of versions of Unleashed Memories out there, but typically these days anybody seeking out the album, assuming they're not just buying it digitally, will be getting the version with Lost Lullaby on it. Probably the 2005 re-release, possibly the 2012 re-release, which is essentially the same thing, as far as I can tell at least. What do we think about the visual style of the album then? Well, we've got two different covers for a start. We have, we have. Let's start with the original then. I mean, the, to be fair, the differences between the two are pretty small. It's only really the front cover, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And even then, it didn't change quite quite as dramatically as Inner Reverie before it changed. It's I, almost more of an, an an update, I suppose, is the word to use in the yeah, I version. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's a little, little small, more. It's a little more sophisticated in the cover, isn't it? That's about it, really. And they've change the graphics just a little bit and the, to move things around a little bit what do we think of the, the album cover then given this this quite a departure if you think about it when this came out in 2001 and the, what the previous albums have been like most notably of course the previous the, the its predecessor in a reverie with its quite distinctive cover shall we say we now have this it must have been you know, quite a, quite an impact really as a cover do you do you recall? Do either of you recall? I don't, because it was you know, before my time, as it were. It's not something that I, I seem to... Uh, well, it's not something you would easily recognise, would you, necessarily, for it to be a Lacuna Coil album no. based on the artwork. That's that's one major thing about it, that it is quite unique in its um, in its style, the way it's designed. What about the, the, the front cover that came in 2005? Better? Do you prefer it? I mean, if we had a, a straw pole, which one would you go with? I think the the colours and the textures look better on the, the reissue because rather than just being sort of red, there's a more of a contrast with the shade of the, the light and the dark and there's some black in there. But in terms of the graphics, I've always found the original cover interesting because the first time you sort of see, you're not quite sure 
what it is. Is it like a flower or, or whatever, you know, which is obviously influenced in latter days through the cover of Comalize that we come on to. But I always sort of took it as some sort of like, no, like sun or waves and like a door in the middle. Mm. And I always took it as like a, a door or a portal that was sort of opening. And this is in reference to the original cover. Mm. What about internally? I really like it internally. I like the fact that there's distinct graphical images on every single page as we look through the lyrics. Yeah. And I re- think, they're really well done, I think. I think it's probably my, my favourite inlay or booklet, whatever you want to call it, when you sort of open it up. As you mentioned, there's all different graphics and sort of themes that sort of run through with the songs in intertwined with the lyrics. Yeah, I really like that. I think it's such, I agree with you. I think this is one of the best ones, if not the best inlays. Um, obviously, the, the the colour is red throughout, shades thereof, but I think it really works, and it really sort of draws you into the the style and the theme of the music and the, and the album itself. You've also got that recurring theme of each band member sort of holding the um, well, the, su- on, the, the sun symbol, yeah, yeah, the the ninja star, a very large ninja star. <laughs> yes, the front cover of this is obviously a star which they then went on to to use a, a version of it, shall we say on Comalize and I have to say there's a part of me that wished that they'd carried on doing that throughout all their albums and just made them that distinct kind of something with that Mexican sun symbol in the front cover sort of embedded somewhere in the centre so that every Lacuna Coil album had that in there I'd, I'd have liked to have seen that but that's just a personal choice no, I totally agree. I mean, I remember the three of us had a lengthy discussion on that when we were sort of download this summer, and um, we said it's one of those, I like to use the, the term brand, because it sounds a bit corporate and commercial, but it gives it that distinct feeling of bang, it's it's a Lacuna Coil album, similar to if you take Iron Maiden, it's always got Eddie, whereas yeah. sort of the star, sun, flower thing could be Lacuna Coil. Absolutely agreed. I do wonder what, the, going back to looking at it in turn, I'm just flicking through the booklet now, and there's some very strange images in there, I don't know if you can see it, but the the image that's next to the lyrics for To Live Is To Hide is, looks like someone wrapped in a white sheet with a single eye peeping out. But it, it looks to be like in, the eyes peeping out from the centre of the face, so it's like some kind of cyclops image. It's quite freaky when you look at it. And then you've got a, a statue, which we assume is of Jesus Christ, with what looks like barbed wire around the head, and next to Purify. You know, to use a, a, uh, a street strange... term. Oh, sorry, go on. A really strange imagery. Yeah, you were saying sorry. I was going to say, to coin a, uh, a street term to coincide with a picture that Christina posted on her official page this week, it's batshit crazy. Yeah, batshit crazy. And there is a bat in it as well. Is there? <laughs> yeah. On, well, there it, look, go. it looks like a bat on the page for 119. There is this kind of bat thing at the bottom. So there we go. It's just, and opposite, when a dead man walks, it kind of looks like Jason from Halloween. I mean, it's really you've, quite... you've opened up a whole new can yeah, of worms yeah. now in, in mentioning the bat. Is, is, is 119 the distance between two places that, you know, a guava bat flew across Milan? <laughs> I don't, don't know. It might don't, be don't some a message in the artwork. Don't get us started on that again. We're only recovering after the 119 episode. I'm just, I, I don't know what to make of the, inter- I mean, the imagery is great, it really is good. We've got, we've got curly daggers, and then we've got words, it says vision, strength, all this kind of stuff plastered through it. I mean, whoever designed it really went to town on it, that's all I'll say. And I, and I really think it's lots of strong imagery. Very good. So, 
Okay, right. We've we've danced around this long enough. Now we need to talk about the the music. Now, obviously, we're not going to review all the songs because we've already done that, and we've given them scores. So I think we now need to look at the the music and the themes of the album in their entirety. What do you think about the song order? Ah, uh, sequencing. I think Mike should go first on this one. I know he's got some keen thoughts on sequencing of Unleashed Memories. Oh, yes, yes. I, I would definitely think, well, personally, I think that the album's divided into two, looking at uh, looking at the core, well, the original 10, that it, it builds layer on layer on layer until track five, possibly, with where Dead Man Walks, and then bang, 119, I think, and then it it calms down, in my opinion, for the for the rest of the album that glides along nicely to end with Wave of Anguish. But there are other little things where I possibly would switch some of the songs that are at the end, possibly further up in the album. But the, where they would be is the million dollar question: whether I'd, I would move Distant Sun. Maybe um, before Purify, I don't, I don't know how it would work and mix well together. Well, with the power of the digital age, you can always swap your playlist around in iTunes or whatever it is you use. Yes, yes, of course. It looks that's, like. that's like a swear word to my ears. <laughs> Not a fan. No, I think Mike makes a good, a very good point there. I mean, for someone who listens to a lot of vinyl and has the vinyl version, it's it does split as Mike mentioned. So side A ends with when a dead man walks. You flip it over, and side two starts with one nineteen. So I think it is from an, you know an old format perspective. It's it's sequenced perfectly if it was to be played on vinyl. But as I said, there is you know, a distinct sort of um, break, I suppose, in the sequencing when you sort of throw Cold Heritage and Distant Sun in where they are with the current obsession. I suppose, you know, being very, very picky, just for me personally, I think a current obsession should possibly be a bit earlier in the sequencing. But other than that, it, it, it really does work for me, as it is. I, I agree with both of you. I think the sequencing is very, very good in this album. We, we talked when we reviewed When a Dead Man Walks, I think I remember saying at the time that I felt that this song was kind of like the heart of the album and its position in, in the middle seems perfect. Mm. And you just kind of confirmed my thoughts on that. It absolutely feels that there is that transition and the, the album does change in its style after When a Dead Man Walks. And the combination of When a Dead Man Walks, as you say, finishing off one side of the vinyl and then, of course, boom, you've got 119 on the other side is something that those of us those of us that have grown up in the CD age miss actually i remember mm. buying final albums and that that have that process of having to turn it over halfway through really did i felt allow bands to kind of define two sides to an album and this feels like it has two sides. I, I think I'm not sure about moving songs around. I, I'm struggling to know where I, where where I would put them were I to even yeah. attempt to do such a thing. All I know is, "Air of a Dying Day" for me is a great introduction to the album. I think "When a Dead Man Walks" is positioned perfectly, and "Wave of Anguish" for me makes a perfect ending to the album. I appreciate what you're saying about uh, what you said earlier about "Lost Line of My Life" Russ. Well, in effect, we've just said it's it's a core album that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And in the present age, there's not many albums you could say have that. No, absolutely true. What about theme? Do you think the album has a theme? It does. 
I'm just struggling to to use a word to pinpoint it. I mean, we talked about in a reverie had theme, you know continuous themes of death. Half Life had a theme of the the new millennium that was approaching. Um, the first EP was sort of gothic. This one, it's no, it has like a a spatial awareness. I don't mean as in space as in outer space. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of multiple layers and depth to it and it's one of those albums that sort of lives and breathes if you understand what I mean I do actually I was, was going to say something similar myself I, I think this the theme here I mean I, I'm thinking tentative lyrical theme here is it's about making your own destiny in fact it's about growing as an individual so many of the themes in the songs themselves are you know, rejecting what other people tell you to do or try to force you to do, whether that's an individual or an organisation. Questioning who you are. Look at the songs like Purify. Look at the songs like Air of a Dying Day. Um, look, look at songs like A Current Obsession. They, they, it's kind of saying, look, walk your own path, be, be your own person. And I really do get a sense that Unleash Memories overall is, is that is the message that it's trying to give out it's the, the power of oneself of being an individual that's what I get out of it when I listen to it as an album I think that's what makes it such a, a rich album have you got any thoughts on that Mike? Yeah I agree with both of you I think it's very it's it's the way it is structured and the way it's built makes you f- uh, think about your inner self in a way and it builds on that with your thoughts and uh, feelings and I don't know, sadness, happiness, the whole thing works very well as it's um, all moulded together. Musically and as a whole, I this the songs on this album, um, we've, we've all seen the numbers, as crazy as they are. I, they're some of the best the band have ever done, in my opinion. They remain great. They haven't aged. They don't feel like they've aged at all, in fact. And... Although it's easy for me to get lost in it, Unleashed Memories, and I did when I first heard it, as everybody knows, I suspect it's not quite so easy for others. I doubt it's quite as accessible as the more recent albums. Uh, and you're probably waiting for me to say this, but I think some of that is because of the mix, which I think the sound can be a bit mushy and make it sound a little bit, well, samey to people that maybe not have heard the band or not familiar with that genre of music. In fact, I remember my wife saying when, when, she, when I was listening to it so many times when I first heard it, she said it all, it all sounds a bit the same. But you, lis- you listen to it two or three times, and obviously at that point you're probably trapped like I was and recognise that no, it, no, they don't. But I do feel that the, the mix doesn't help. Mm. No, it's a very good point. I mean, you know, we're not being critical of the album. We're just sort of stating what, what comes across as... As fact, I suppose, but I remember, you know, when it first came out, and I used to listen to it as much as I loved it, as you mentioned, it it all sort of blends into one, and I think the more we've listened to it over the years, you get more of an appreciation for each individual song, I mean, specifically doing what we've done in breaking each song down individually, but I think lyrically, I've always found this a very interesting album, because it comes across, certainly to me as a listener, as probably the most personal album that the Lacuna Corps have done, lyrically. Yeah, that sounds about right. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I think it's one of well, personally for me, when I first listened to it, it's one of those one of those albums that you instantly fall in love with, and one of one of those uh, kind of feelings that never leaves you, I suppose. And I, I really do think it is some of the best work that they've they've ever produced. But that could be biased to uh, maybe because it is the 
the absolute beginning of when I started to listen to them. But as you say, it never grows old. And when you hear the stuff off the album live um, to this day, it still brings back happy memories from all that time ago. And it's it's equally as important and relevant for them as a band now as it was back then. Mm. What I'd really like to see, um, I mean, again, coming up to sort of, you know, um, anniversaries of albums and stuff. I know we sort of passed the the 10 year anniversary, but maybe for the 15th, I'd like to see this sort of played in its entirety, whether or not it, it can be done. Cause yeah, I know exactly. the band have talked about sort of the, the transfer from analog to digital and not having sort of some of the tapes and having to re-record parts of it. But this is one of those albums that, you know, if the band did say a seven night residency somewhere, I could quite happily go to each of the seven nights and I wouldn't be bored in the slightest. I'd be happy as a pig in shit, as they say. <laughs> I still think this is their most beautiful work mm. as, yeah. as an album. And, and I think we talked about the cover, we talked about the inlay, we talked about the order of the songs and how great the songs. For me, this is by far the band's most beautiful album. Is it their best? I think that's an impossible question to answer. Uh, firstly, it's totally subjective, but I also think that um, Lacuna Coil as a band, their music is far too diverse, I guess I'm saying, to be confined by the limits of, limits of one album, really. Uh, I think it's certainly wonderfully constructed. Every song feels right on the album. What else do you want to say about it, really? If you haven't bought it, go and buy it. If you haven't listened to it, do so. It's one of those things that you'll fall in love with if if you haven't done already. I, I think this this is an album that everyone should have in their collection, whether they're yes. a Lacunical fan or not. Yeah, it's uh, very... Musically, it's it's perfect. Uh, and I think the music on it is so diverse, and it's got male vocals and female vocals and great sounds and really good messages throughout some dark some not so dark some very positive some very personal um if i had to listen to one album if i had a single desert island disc it would probably be this one although i should say i would dearly miss dark adrenaline <laughs> yeah yeah uh Alish memories was my first lacuna call album and i think it will always have that kind of hold over me uh in a way i should should say that the message in the album itself is telling me that I should resist, as in, as I said before, don't feel, walk your own path and don't be forced to do anything by any outside influence. But front list members, memories, it seems to be doing that to me. So I'm, I'm, I love this album. We we talked earlier about the, the mean score, the average being nine point zero six. Fair representation, or should it be closer to a ten? Um, I don't know. I would say it's closer to a ten, possibly. That's not really helpful, but. <laughs> What do you reckon, Russ? Average 9.5 for me. If I had to pick a number, 9.5 out of 10. Fair enough. I'm blaming you giving Sensafine 7, knocking the score. There down. you <laughs> go. There you go. It's all your fault. Well, you know, in terms of mean averages, you both gave Lost Lullaby a 7, and I gave that an 8. And I'm, well, a high 8. So technically, I've brought the score up if you look on the reissue. That's true, actually. But... I haven't included Lost Lullaby. I'll do the numbers again and. and... We'll, we'll so you post. bring the score up then, you see? We'll, we'll post what it no, is. No, actually, don't do that because you'll bring the score I down. Th- I think we'll bring the score down, mate, between you. Shh. Don't Shh. mention it. Anyway, okay, well, I, I, I like Mike. I think it's about a 9.5. It's too easy to give stuff 10s. And we've got... 0.75. 0.75. <laughs> yeah, we've been, following on. We've been Sorry. far too casual giving it 10s throughout. I mean, it, they, but the songs do deserve them, of course. Apart from the mixes we've mentioned, and we we don't want to sound overly critical. Other than that, um, if they did re-record it all, um, you would say it was a perfect ten, would you? Mm. Oh, I would, yeah. 
Yeah, I would. We could argue if you looked uh, if you look back, you think when the band sort of recorded it, there was sort of part time musicians still working, sort of touring on the side, and you know to get an album of this quality and magnitude when you know you're not necessarily a full time musician is is exactly. you know, it's amazing. Oh, absolutely! I don't want anybody misinterpreting this, by the way. No, you know, I'm I'm saying that it's a nine point five album that could be a ten. It's could still 11, it's yeah. still you can't do it. Stop it! The maths don't work. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's still an incredibly, incredibly good album, and I love it, and everybody should listen to it, which I think pretty much brings us to a close on our overall view of Unleashed Memories. We've kind of run out of superlatives, I think, to, to describe it, and um, of course, next week, we're moving on to Comalize, which is commercially a very, very successful album for Looking Call, and certainly a game changer. Looking forward to that. I guess we start off with Swamped. Yeah, so, no, no pressure for yeah, us. Yeah, so you, you might want to wear your anti-freight train pyjamas, pyjamas Mike. So you, you're going to yeah. need them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Get the level crossing ready to stop that train. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to a close on the Empty Spiral podcast for this week. Uh, we've got a few reviews on iTunes. I noticed this, guys. So people are saying nice things about us. Keep them coming, guys. Please send us a review. Tell us what you like and don't like on iTunes or otherwise. We look forward to uh, to hearing it. We really want to know what you guys like, what you don't like. If you want us just to change stuff, if you want me to shut up, you know, just say so. I'm not just saying I will do so, but you know, you can at least ask nicely. Mm, uh, likewise, as we're divided throughout the country, you know, if we have some questionable, <laughs> indistinctive accents, then let us know if you can't understand what the hell we're saying. And yeah. we need to speak a bit slowly as well for some people, I think, because of the accents, not because we sound, I don't know. <laughs> you know One thing I, mean? I just realised that we did miss in touching on uh, Unleashed Memories this week is the underlying theme of it's black, it's black and red, which ties in with the Milanese theme of AC Milan. So there's another snapshot. But there we go. Well, I didn't even spot that. So cheers for that, Russ. <laughs> Mike, Mike will get the joke. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> uh, and the T-shirt, I believe. No, okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> That's when you can stick in your HP Lovecraft vow of silence. Yeah, yeah. We just need like tumbleweed, Grandpa. <laughs> yeah. um, if nothing you can do is ask us a question. If you want us to, um, well, if you want to ask us. Mike, Russ, myself, any questions about ourselves or the podcast or Lacuna Coil or anything, just get in contact with us, post on our Facebook wall or leave a message on, on the Empty Spiral forums or, of course, send an email over to podcast.entispiral.net and uh, we'll do our best to answer the question for you. Uh, and also, as you know, we've we've had a number of fellow coilers on the podcast over the past few weeks. If you want to appear as a fan guest on the Empty Spiral podcast, Please get in contact. This is a community podcast, so it's about the community, and that means it's about you guys that's listening right now. If you want to be in the spotlight, if you want to tell us what it means to you to be a Lacuna Core fan, then do get in contact, because uh, we're always looking to speak to new people. No matter where you are in the world, it's completely free. Take about half an hour of your time, and uh, everybody has been on so far has really enjoyed themselves. So let us know. So we're at a close. Just one final point, chaps, if you're sitting down. I think next week is the return of the Empty Spiral Quiz. Hooray! (laughs) 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 Oh, no. Is it? 
Is this you're, you're going to ask us more really difficult questions, aren't you? I don't know. I think I need to try and make it easy, then I just to make you look good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not even sure. I suppose if you ask us how to spell the band's name, um, <laughs> I, I might get that right. Might. But... <laughs> Question one: What is the Italian translation of "Hair of a Dying Day"? Oh, stop it! <laughs> Stop winding me up. Uh, we'll <laughs> leave that for next week. <laughs> yep. Part three, as it were, or episode three of the Empty Spiral Quiz is returning next week. So, Mike, we got to go and do it and do our homework now, haven't we, really? Yeah, definitely. We said that last time, didn't we? Yeah, and failed. We didn't do it. No, no, we didn't do it. You did score one extra point. All right, it was only one point, but it was half a point more than the first week where you did, in fact, only score half a point. Mm. <laughs> Oh, it's just so embarrassing. Well, I will try to do some homework, but um, I suspect I'll fail nevertheless. So, yeah, there we go. With with that sense of terror rising up like bile at the back of my throat at the idea of there being an- <laughs> another quiz next week, <laughs> I think we ought to leave it there for this, just so that Mike and I can go and screw it away into a dark corner and learn yeah. stuff about the coil. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.